Hello, hello, and welcome to Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center of Tennessee. Taylor and Mark are back, and you know, we alluded to last week, we usually have technical difficulties at the front end of the podcast, but somehow lately, Mark, I don't know if you're like sitting differently or if you've been like really (laughs) good and not been ugly to people, but it's really working. Your mojo is really good right now on our our podcast, not having technical difficulties, so fingers crossed, living on a hope and a prayer that that continues. We had to take away credit from Jordan, too. We gave him too much credit last week, and obviously we, we did, did without him. So maybe he turned it around maybe for us. Maybe he was but... the catalyst we needed to to get rid of those uh, technical difficulties going on. Um, <laughs> Mark, I know that you hate Taylor Swift. You basically hate all things good. Um, and how do you feel about the traffic that's going to be going on in Nashville this weekend? I am going to Taylor Swift Friday night and then getting the heck out of Dodge on an 8 a.m. flight Saturday morning to go visit friends in Michigan. So I won't have to deal with it. But I feel really sorry for those of you who are going to be stuck here this weekend when all of us Swifties are raining hell by <laughs> flocking to downtown. <laughs> yeah, I am I am going nowhere near downtown. We were actually planning, like, oh, me and Kieran at dinner. Like, we're not going downtown now. We're going to find somewhere in Franklin because it's going to be insane. And not only that, there's a bunch of other stuff going on. I also would like to correct you. I don't hate Taylor Swift. I think her music is really good, like, post-2015, probably the time that you started, like, her. that you like her music more lately than you did before. Yeah, I'm but not a country music gal. <laughs> yeah, I, but I think she had great songs that were catchy and stuff before that. I just don't care for her personally. That's uh, fair. And I don't think her new music is good okay well i take that but, press personally <laughs> offensive it's it's kind of catchy but i don't think it's good i feel like people have given her this like thing where it's like they kind of give her a pass for just like talking trash and all her exes like how, if if a guy did that we would just call him like the worst person in america it's like oh man he's just anti-woman and everyone he wants to like i, I just don't like i don't like her whole the way she acts i don't like her whole attitude i get that her songs are catchy uh i do like her older songs but i'm not a i'm not a hater as much as i am just somebody who doesn't understand her immense popularity. When the double standard works in my favor, I will take it. So, like, she <laughs> is normalized talking. We know. We know. <laughs> <laughs> she is normalized talking trash on your exes. And I'm like, sign me up, baby. I am in on that. <laughs> um, so, anyway, all, on behalf of Swifties, I apologize for anyone who is traveling to, from, or around Nashville this weekend. I will be there in my pink feathery sequiny dress enjoying every every minute of that three hours and 11 minutes that she plays music are you going to uber i'm actually gonna park this is i think i've worked it out really well my boyfriend lives a 30 minute walk away from nissan stadium so i'm going to park at his house walk to the stadium meet my friends at the walking bridge and walk across the stadium and then walk back to my car at the end of the night and then travel south just on back roads to get back to my house so that i don't have to get on the interstate and I think I've nailed it. You're rain though, right? Well, you know, we did with the things we do for love, and I do love her. So that's an hour of walking, and it could be like thunderstorms too, and it might not be great. Listen, and it's probably gonna be cold. Once I see her, I will die a happy woman. <laughs> that's and that's all I'm saying. You might about die, that. Yeah, I might die of like you pneumonia, of, hypothermia, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lightning strike. <laughs> the risks are immense, but so is the reward, and I'm. I'm I willing don't... to risk it all for my girl, my girl T. <laughs> okay. Well, good, you, good for you. You do you. <laughs> I'll update you guys next week when I'm like coughing my head off, <laughs> uh, not able to talk because I have a terrible cold, but it is what it is. I'm w- willing to risk it. Um, let's chat about how awesome it is to live in Tennessee for a second. So the U.S. News and World Report does rankings based on 
what was it, Mark, like infrastructure, economic stability, taxes, basically all things having to do with financial matters, honestly, the economy. Yeah. And uh, Tennessee is ranked number 24 of all the states. And that is up five spots from, I think you said last year. Yes, 29 you know, last year. It could always be better. Of course, that's why Beacon exists. And if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. We all yearn for the day that Beacon no longer needs to exist because Tennessee is fully cooked and done and perfectly economically free and the economy is awesome. Uh, that day, it doesn't exist yet, but moving up five spots is a positive sign. Do you have the list pulled up? Because I'm curious to see where Alabama is on that, where uh, I spent I, most I, of my I, life. I don't have, it's 50. I, it's got to be between 40 to 50, right? <laughs> Uh, I, I it see always the top, is. I see the top two, and I will say that, like, uh, when you look at the actual what they measured, Tennessee did very well in the economic ones. It was fifth in fiscal stability, twelfth in the economy. Some of the other ones, which you know, you could maybe argue more about, you know, like forty-first in crime, thirty-fourth okay. in healthcare, thirty-third in education. Uh, which, of course, you know, if we pass school choice, then I think it'll go up um, to statewide. But Money. it's uh, <laughs> it's good that we're moving up, and, and on the financial, you know financial parts of it we're doing really well and i think those are the ones that are the most to be honest the most clear to measure where you could have a really good uh -huh. measurement without a lot of debate um and i know i mean crime's an issue we know that crime's been an issue in we Memphis. Know. it's an issue in nashville chattanooga knoxville they're a share of crime um and the, and the natural environment i don't even know how you measure natural environment like yeah I, what is that i don't think we're i don't think we're 31st i've been to almost every state like in terms of beauty i'd say we're definitely top like I'd say top 15 at least. Easy top 15. Yeah. So I don't always agree with that, but the idea is that you're moving up and the measurable, you know, financial things, which are so important. And then we have taxes on here. If they had taxes, we would be, you know, probably even higher because we're one of the top <laughs> places uh, in the country for taxes. So you always have to take these lists with a grain of salt. Who's doing them? What are they trying to get across? But anytime you're moving up is generally good. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, you know, for those areas where we are, slightly deficient healthcare education beacons working really hard to yes. to make sure those things aren't detractors for us anymore you know certificate of need we've seen in so many studies and so many reports that certificate of need restrictions lower patient outcomes it's not hard if you can't have a hospital that patients can access or you can't have a medical facility that it's easily accessible to patients patient outcomes are going to suffer that's just the truth of it so and then with education School choice, we're always, we're as, as more and more states are passing school choice and giving kids more opportunities, and Tennessee fails to do that on a broad scale. We have selective school choice, but not full open school choice. The longer Tennessee fails to do that on a broad scale, the more we're going to fall behind other states. And so if we want to keep trending up in the rankings, we got to do some of these what I think are pretty common sense reforms like CON and education school choice and things like that. I mean, we, we're on the ball with our taxes. We're on the ball when it comes to fiscal stability. Now let's address those where we're falling into the 30s and get back up into the 20s and hopefully the teens when it comes to those rankings. It, it, you know, it's, it, it's right there in front of us. Let's just do it. And there's a lot of things that, yeah, like you said, easy fixes that could probably move us up. I mean, imagine if we stopped funding stadiums. We would be number one in fiscal stability. Um, I know, But right? you know, if we stop doing things like that, and like you said, simple things that a lot of other states are doing, like, you know, getting rid of CON laws. I mean, there's a bunch of states just getting rid of them in totality, right? I mean, the a federal other... government did it all in the 80s, before yep. I was even alive. 
Yep. And we have, you know, a lot, a lot of other states, while we are moving in the right direction on school choice, some other states are going a lot farther than we are and passing us on that. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a mixed bag, but I think overall it's good. And the areas that you said were deficient, it kind of makes sense to me why we're deficient because some of these, you know, areas have not yes. passed. So it's a great place to live. We're really happy. And, you know, the one, I mean, I took this job in part other than wanting to work for Beacon, of course, and Justin, sure. <laughs> because the tax structure was so much better than living in D.C. or Virginia or Pennsylvania. Oh. So it's like or that is such Alabama. A... Alabama is well, a hot mess. Yeah. I mean, literally anything is better than living in Alabama. I would rather okay. live. Like, okay. I'd rather be homeless okay. in a different state than have a house in Alabama, I think. But... Okay, drama. That's so <laughs> traumatic. Jeez. Yeah, that's a little bit much. Mississippi also might be worse. In... Mississippi has got to be worse than us. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's a question. I think Alabama is probably prettier and has less, I don't know. The, the trashiest of people is hard to compare. But yes, those have, <laughs> those have got to be both in the bottom five. <laughs> Dagger to my heart. Oh, do you know uh, it. Not, just not everyone's trashy, but you understand there's a higher trashy level in Alabama than most other states. The, uh, yeah, per capita trash is, is definitely <laughs> higher in Alabama. We, we should start our own rankings with per capita trash as one thing. <laughs> And to be clear, it has nothing to do with the, the actual trash on the street. New York would win that hands down. It has to do with the people who live there. <laughs> okay, well, that parlays <laughs> incredibly into our next topic, per capita trash. The uh, Writers Guild of America is on strike. Most of that population is in California and New York. I'm going to go high per capita trash there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's. I mean, think about it. Like, It's so out of touch with the rest yeah. of America thinking about the Writers Guild being on strike. You know, I w- I'm i not particularly a Saturday Night Live fan. My roommate, huge fan. Still? I like cer- still. Still a is huge she, fan. She's their one fan? I was wondering. I feel she's like nobody... She's their one fan. And I she lives see... with me. <laughs> well, I feel like you see some clips like, oh, that was kind of funny, but you usually see this on Twitter where it's like mm-hmm. 80% to 90% of every show is terrible. And then the one funny thing you'll see on Twitter next day anyway, so. Right. So it's it is what it is, but you know they canceled SNL this week, or I think the episode of Pete Davidson this week because the Writers Guild is on strike. I I just think it's it's such an out of touch move to to do that. Um, they can't negotiate. They can't they can't come to some type of agreement, and people are boosting up writers and saying everything relies on writers. Like, let's be very clear. Inter- the entertainment industry is a luxury. It's not a crucial industry. I mean, it is as far as like they put a lot of money into the economy, but as far as keeping yeah. people alive, it's it's luxury. It, it really is. Entertainment is luxury and having things to watch on television is luxury. It's not a necessity. And so I, I think it's, I, I do understand that people need to make a good wage. I still will always believe though that you can negotiate better agreements outside of a union than inside of a union. I just do believe that. I mean, I don't. It, I, actually, it, I actually don't believe that. I think that you know. It can go back and, I'm and not, forth. I'm, I'm not defending unions, but I think especially when you're, you know, this might be a little bit different. But when you're negotiating against the government, it's not their money, so it's maybe sure. easier to have the union. So because I mean, you're you're just giving whatever you want. You're not paying for it. In this situation, you might be right. But I also, I also want to say a couple things. Hey, I don't know who was in the right here. Just because somebody, you know. Sure. strike doesn't, doesn't mean they're wrong maybe they are getting underpaid and you know part of what you make you think is like that all these late night shows they can't go on with other writers like why are they getting paid so much they're obviously not even like they're the talent they don't even write the jokes they basically just deliver somebody else's jokes i will do I that know. for one tenth of their cost i don't need to get paid three million dollars a year it's like a lot of these people are not 
it really makes you understand if they keep talking about how writers are the like you know the the heart of Hollywood, they're the life. But it's like, well, then what are these other people doing? Because I feel like they maybe shouldn't be employed for as much as they are. And if I was a writer, I I'd say, well, they should be making one of this. I'm the ones writing the jokes, not you know Jimmy Fallon. Right. No, I do agree with that. I mean, I I think that the talent, the actors, the whatever, it it should you should be paid more if you're the one steering the ship. I think my argument ultimately comes back to the hyperbole around all of this and that it's such a crucial industry. And listen, I consume so much content. I yeah. love to consume content. However, it's not keeping me alive. It's not the electricity. It's not the food production. It's not transportation. It's not the stuff that is a necessity to life. And what what's driving me nuts about it is when I read about the writer's strike, all this hyperbole about like how vital and important it is to our society. I'm like, bro, I'm good. Like we can, I can watch reruns of old shows all the time and old movies. And I don't know. I, I do feel yeah, sorry but, for the but, people who are getting underpaid at their jobs. I do feel for them. I just, the hyperbole is getting on my nerves. But when you're saying that, it's like, it's still vital to you in some way, not to live. Like you said, but what if they got rid of all, all, all writers wrote those old episodes. So they got rid of everything on every channel. Me and you would both be miserable. I know oh, you're miserable it, it, for it, sure. It's not, it's, it, yeah, you don't need it to live, but it is something that, you know, especially it makes people happy. It makes me happy. I mean, I like doing that. I enjoy like, you know, it. Stress. So I think it's important, but I, I also, A, I'm not in these negotiations. I have no idea if they're being underpaid or not. A lot of people, sure. everyone says know. they're underpaid. Everyone says they're underpaid. It's, it's usually not true. So I, I'm not aware of that. Um, but the issue I have with that whole thing is that when, when a union strikes that certain people, like, they can't say, hey, I'm happy with how much I'm making. I'm, I'm going to still work there. Like, that's what sucks about that thing is not individuals can't make their own decisions and say, like, you know what? I don't want to be part of the strike because you have to be. And you're forced to be part of this. And you say, you know, know, I'm really happy writing for this show. I make as much money as I think I deserve. I still can't write. I have to not be able to feed my kids because of the actions of somebody else. I just don't like that. And, and well, even and if I wanted to. Yeah. That's kind of the point that I was getting at when I said I do believe in certain situations that you can probably do better on your own without the union. Like you could negotiate or you can be content, but now it's like every single person has to stop who's a member of this union, even if someone wants to work. And, you know, if you yep. walk across the picket line and go into work, people are going to be furious with you. So I, I just think... Well, you can't, I, you, you literally you can't, can't do it. You yeah, can't, it's not the I know. Course. If they, yeah. And, I, and, and that, that's and that's again where I'm at with like the hyperbole and the drawn up dramatics and theatrics of all the stuff is, you know, I I understand feeling like you're not being compensated enough. Let's just have a negotiation and let the people who want to work continue working. And that's what happens when you're outside of a union. You can negotiate your salary and you don't have to get other people out of work. That's the point that I was getting at when I said individual negotiations in in certain situations are probably going to be better off for everybody than than a union negotiation yeah just in general i think force unionization is such absolute trash the idea that you yeah. to do something you have to join like you cannot write for a show unless you're part of the union that I is know. awful same thing with like, I like obviously it's more but like in some states you can't be a teacher without joining the union i, I, I just really hate that idea because it really takes away the individual choice for that and, mm -hmm. you know, if if they did that, I'm sure some of these shows would still be on the air because they say, oh, OK, well, you know, these even if it's 10 percent, they still want to write and because they're happy because their employer is paying them well. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not it's and not the same will. Congress for everyone. Yeah. Every, every right. show is different. So I just hate the whole idea 
Um, like you said, I, it's not going to personally affect me. Um, I have a bunch of shows that I'm watching right now. I pretty much don't even watch scripted shows anymore. Most of the shows I watch are like reality. Um, trash. So, Speaking of trash. Yeah, trash. <laughs> and, 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 and there's so much. There's so many streaming platforms and there's so much you can watch there. Like It wouldn't really affect me for like three years. I think then I'm like, oh, I kind of run out of stuff. Then can I do it? So I there's know, no I immediacy. <laughs> Yeah, there's no immediacy for us. I mean, I you know I'm out here watching Survivor, not scripted, yeah. stage, not scripted. I I could watch, I could rewatch all 44 episodes of Sur seasons of Survivor over and over and not get tired of it. So I'm good. I just think I think what what like I said, what got a kind of a bee in my bonnet about this was just the hyperbole and the catastrophizing of the whole thing. It's like guys, just let's be adults. <laughs> let's not. Let me ask you a question. Do you know okay. if? like editors are part of this like people edit that because otherwise survivor oh, i don't know too. yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't a, know they say writers but like every show is highly edited like they have to edit and put stuff together so if that's right. part of it then there's not gonna be any shows on TV. Poor, poor survivor if they're if <laughs> if the editors were included in this poor me honestly <laughs> but i don't know who it is but it's definitely something to keep an eye on how long they stay out of work because it will affect production schedules and it'll affect all of the money that's put into these things i mean it could have a, a pretty significant economic impact in certain areas and for a lot of people's lives. So uh, we'll probably follow and, and up on it, it if we see more. As if California didn't need more economic issues. I mean, they're already having enough problems. And what's funny is that I saw that there's more shows than ever before because there's so many shows on streaming networks where there's actually more people that are employed as writers than ever before, but they're kind of ever. stretched they're they're kind of stretched thin, I guess. They're working multiple things, but there are so many platforms, so many new shows that. You know, and, and I really think that like us, I don't think most people are going to miss them for a few years. I do think at, at some point people, know. but like there's so much there and people pretty much only watch streaming shows. I don't know anybody watches shows on cable anymore. Um, so well, I don't think it will have Survivor. a huge impact. <laughs> I, I watch Survivor and Abbott Elementary, but still I watch them via streaming. I watch them the next day on Paramount Plus. Yeah, so it's not even through cable. It's through streaming. Right. There's a lot of other choices on <laughs> right. it. So yeah, so I, I think it's a, it'll be something that'll be interesting, but I think that they may be overplaying their hand right now because there's so many there's so many shows where like the public might not really care like they think they will. I know, I know. I I, I will be curious to see that. I feel like everything that we talk about, we're like, this is a work in progress. What's gonna happen? Yeah. Um, speaking of what's gonna happen, I we decided on our podcast topics, and then I just got a flurry of texts from my friend group saying, "What the h is going on in Alabama?" This, the basketball team had controversy. Now the baseball team's having controversy. What is going on in Alabama? I'm afraid it might move up in our trash rankings after all this, Mark. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um, so as the pro better, I gave up betting after I made a disastrous decision on the Masters a couple years ago. But Mark, you're you, you're still in it. So what's what's going on with Alabama baseball and the sports betting? I don't I don't really get it totally so we don't really know but we do know that the state of ohio will not let people bet on alabama baseball because there was either one or a couple suspicious bets that made no sense when they played against lsu um mm -hmm. which means that like it's really that almost never happens so these bets just were not like i mean you might have had you know a million dollar bet on something that didn't make any sense when you look at the numbers and mm -hmm. you have multiple bets of that the idea is that it's probably something where it's rigged, where you have people either shaving points, you have people, and we don't know what it is, but for them to not let you bet on one team, it means that it's, it's Alabama related. And I mean, I don't know if they thought that, uh, and they were playing LSU, I guess is ranked number one in the country, I think. 
So there's something yeah. really weird going on. And we've had this issue kind of over the past couple months where it also happened in the Chinese Basketball League where uh -huh. Yale and I think two, two teams both were in on this fix because in these in these games that you don't get as much money, it doesn't mean as much. I don't think people really care much about college baseball. Uh, you know, they're not making a lot of money, if any money, uh -huh. in NIL. So it's like those are the places that are really ripe to fix the game because they're not making uh -huh. much. They can get more say, hey, you throw this game, we'll give you a million dollars. Well, that's more than I'll make ever. I know. Um, and that's why some people were really worried about that when sports betting, that was actually the argument against sports betting for so long. And in really? New York, it's funny, you still can't bet on teams that are New York based. You can't bet on them at all on or against them because they're worried about them fixing games. And if you're in the same vicinity Whoa. of them, they think that, so there is some, there has been some historical issues with that. It, it, I think it's become a lot, it's become a lot more regulated and, you know, self-regulated where people are noticing what's going on. And each book yeah. has like these people that are kind of, uh, they see suspicious bets and they report mm -hmm. them. But there's a lot of them. They could shut that down. But this is the first time since I've really been betting that I've seen a team not be able to be bet on. And it's only in Ohio. So I guess it's not a widespread thing. There's probably a few bets in Ohio. Um, but it's a really interesting issue. And it is probably it, the main argument I've heard of why sports betting should not be legal now for about 20 years. And this is the first time it's happened in my, in my knowledge recently in America since sports betting has become, you know, universally legal okay um but that's what happens when you, when you spread these events that are not they don't have a lot of action on them that there's a way to do that and it's like you can get two or three people be like hey you know i want you to throw this game or i want you to lose by less than this and it could you know it could be a million could be million dollar losses for the sports books and of course also you know the the whole idea of if you want to watch you watch sports because you want a competitive game you want both mm -hmm. teams trying the idea that can be thrown is really i think disgusting to, to most sports fans I know. I, I was reading the article about it, and it, it LSU still won, but Alabama yeah. had a late resurgence, had a late run for some runs. And I, you know, my only experience with knowing anything about point shaving or fixing games was watching One Tree Hill when I was in high school, and he <laughs> and he shaved points off the state championship like, game. So insane <laughs> that you you can't even bet on high school basketball. Like, what an insane! Like that would never happen. What an insane thing to, to pretend <laughs> that's going to happen. Hey, writers, if any of y'all are still working and y'all wrote that, we got a problem. I hope they're so, not working currently. That was so bad. That Awful. was actually so bad. Um, but that's my only experience with knowing anything about point shaving. And it was like shave points in the second half. You know, we bet on, you know, that was like kind uh -huh. of the whole thing. And so when I saw that, that Alabama made a late run and then there were bets on it, it doesn't look good for my boys in Crimson. I'm going to say that because if they did do that and they agreed to it. I don't know, man. I'm an Alabama absolutist, but I also respect the integrity of the game. So I don't, I, mean, I don't like that. You all have looked so bad recently, like you dude. Have, I you know, fast people murdering people. You have your teeth fixing <laughs> thing. A bunch of your, you got football players get DUIs and almost killed. Like, there's a lot of bad things going on in Alabama these days. Yeah, I got my Jacksonville State sweatshirt on today That's because good. a, a I'm lot not less controversial. Yeah, a lot less controversial <laughs> as JSU. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it. It's not passing the smell test. Um. And nothing would ever ever make me out abandon Alabama, but I am kind of shaking my head, scratching my head, wondering what's what the heck's going on over there. Um, for the last topic of the day, let's actually say something good about Twitter. I know, groundbreaking. We never thought we would say something good <laughs> about Twitter, and Justin's gonna fire us because Justin hates Twitter. <laughs> but the reason that I look at Reddit more than I look at Twitter or look at Wikipedia or whatever is because it's a community sourced. It's community source information. It's actual real people who are commenting on things and holding other real people accountable. Well, Mark, tell us what happened 
this week. Mark, and I'm letting Mark have this topic mostly because he hates Randy Weingarten. Like, hates, 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 hates. He had to, he literally sat like this and had to collect himself before the podcast <laughs> after he talked about her. Um, tell us what happened, and then let's give Twitter a little pat on the back afterwards. Yeah, Randy Weingarten is the head of the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers. Um uh-huh. I try not to say I hate people. It, it's um, it's really hard for me to find somebody who is more of a gaslighter and just yes. overall liar than Randy Weingarten. Okay. So, of course, you know, COVID's over. Um, I mean, it's probably been over for real in like the last two years. But it, it's over now. And, you know, she is... People have now come to the idea that like, oh, we should not have closed schools. Pretty much everyone's come to that agreement. It was insane uh-huh. we did that. Children uh-huh. have suffered because of it, learning loss. There's a lot of different issues. And, you know, some school districts were closed for over a year, year and a half. And um, and she has somehow come to this idea. People started calling out. It's like, you're the one who's... And she's come to the idea, like, no, I wanted schools to open. I said that the whole time I wanted schools to open safely. And she kept doing this. And somehow, and, and this, from a credibility perspective, it, it makes me cringe when so-called fact checkers are biased. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. she got PolitiFact to basically write, oh, all the things she's saying are correct. She did say these things. And what she would say was like, oh, yeah, I think schools should be back open if they have the right safety precautions. You answer what safety precautions? She can't answer. She had no answer for that. She just said that mm-hmm. randomly, while at the same time having other quotes, which were really conveniently left out of these articles about how mm-hmm. it would be cruel to do that, how every single teacher team that she worked with, she was encouraging to stay shut down. And she's a liar. Uh-huh. She lied. She is intentionally misleading and mm-hmm. changing everything she said to make herself look better in hindsight. The fact is she's one of the most unpopular people in America right now. She's one of the reasons yes. school choice has, has such a resurgence because of the way she shut down schools, consistently lied, was all, clearly only on the side of, of you know teachers and not parents, not students. And she's just a disgrace to everything that we're supposed to believe in. And the idea that she could be so you know, I don't even know what the word is. I like, I, I can't think of a word that m- maxes how awful she is. But then I mean, she can gaslighter be so... is a gaslighter is a pretty severe word. <laughs> it's worse. It's worse than that, though. I feel like that's not enough. But that she could have the gall to go and say, "Oh yeah, I didn't say any of those things." After she did that, it just makes me so infuriated. At least say, you know what? I was historically wrong. I could not have been more dumb about anything I said, but I take responsibility. The idea that she is now saying, oh, no, I said school should open safely. It's Donald Trump's fault. Makes my head want to explode. She is an absolute, like, one of the most, I I don't think I've ever met somebody who lies as much as her. And I've never met her. But, like, she is somebody (laughs) who should be so universally disdained by, doesn't matter where you're at. Because I think that people on the left need to say, look, she is hurting our cause. Having somebody who is so controversial, who is wrong so often at the head of our teachers union, it makes us look horrible. Um, so, but the, the point of the story was they did this thing, PolitiFact basically, you know, said, oh no, she's right about this. And then Twitter community notes, which is people putting in, you know, saying this is not true with factual, you know, stories from well-respected outlets. And then, you know, gets upvoted. And then I guess somebody from Twitter said, okay, yes, this, this is actually a source, including the New York times and all these other places said, no, (laughs) this is wrong. And PolitiFact has really just any shred of credibility they had left is over. Because they have ran yeah. water for Randy Weingartner, and thankful to, thankfully Twitter said, no, this is all a lie. This is not what she said. This is misrepresenting her record to the most enormous extent ever. Here's what she actually said. 
with links to mainstream media like CNN and New York Times and say, you can't lie to us in front of our faces. And links to her own tweets. She yep. <laughs> tweeted, I have, it, I have it pulled up right here, August 13th, 2020. Criminal. Students in Marion County, Florida returned to school Tuesday. Already one elementary class was quarantined as students showed COVID-19 symptoms. Their teachers required to report to work even when exposed to COVID under Rhonda Sanis' order. This is why Florida educators sued. Like, criminal in all caps with exclamation yep. points. Like, No, but she wanted to open the schools back up. Just listen to her. If you listen to her, point of fact, that's all she wanted. Um, August 24, 2020, huge judge strikes down Florida school reopening order, says unconstitutional to require brick and mortar classes this month. Like, you can't, you at least go back and delete your old tweets if you're going to start lying and rewriting history. Like, j don't be sloppy about it. If you're going to lie, don't be sloppy. But she was sloppy. She's calling people like murderers for letting kids back into school. She is such a, she is the gaslighter in chief. It's insane what she yeah. does. And we have to give a shout out to somebody that we work with sometimes. But Corey DeAngelis has done a better job than anybody of holding her accountable and really going after her to be like, you can't lie to us. And like, clearly in front of people's face and then pretend like you never said that. Like, it is absolutely asinine what she's trying to do. And it's like, she thinks know. that the internet doesn't exist. Like, you know, you can go back and find that, right? It's not like, you know, right. 1960s where you could say something like, oh no, I never said that. It, it, you can't prove it. It's so easily provable. It's her tweet. It's her interviews. It's everything she's ever said. And she thinks that we're the stupidest people in the world. That, that she thinks we're so dumb that we won't realize that. And we're not. And and Cordy Andrews has held her to account more than anybody else. So we are very thankful to have him, you know, on our side and somebody who's actually representing the truth. I agree. And the reason I brought this up was to say that I'm a fan of the new Twitter. I think it's really important that we have because we've talked about it before about these companies censoring people and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube deplatforming and stuff. But I think that the new Twitter is what the original vision should have been, which is people put out information and other people hold them to account or have something to say about it. That was what that was the whole controversy to begin with was there was all this misinformation out there. OK, so then Twitter creates their community standards and they start fact checking. Well, where is Twitter on the spectrum of political ideology or thoughts or whatever. There's not a lot of free thinking there. Okay, so then open it up to the people, the community that's actually reading it. I think that that's a really honest way to do things is letting people come in and say, like, actually, that's not true and not having just one ideological or whatever regulator involved in this platform that is a public platform. It's a public square to express opinions and express dissension. And so good for Twitter for putting the community in charge of the content that they are creating. And they're not saying like, PolitiFact, this is false. I'm going to take down your content. They're saying you can leave your content, but the community has something to say and, and we're going to let them say it. Like we're, you know, if you're wrong and people point it out, we're going to provide that context, not from us, but from the people who are, who are pointing it out. And I love and that. I think it's great. They have to cite mainstream sources, which is important. Like, you're not citing yeah. Alex Jones or the Tennessee Holler, like these insane, you know, conspiracy theory sources. You're yes. citing real, <laughs> and you might argue with the New York Times or CNN, but like, those are actual sources. It's and real. It's like, and, and it's, yeah, and, and you might not agree with everything and something might have political bias, but these are actual sources. So I love that they, you know, they can't just, you have to prove it. People have to say, oh, we think it's helpful. This is actually true. And I think somebody looks over to make sure that the, you know, the story that they say actually says what, you, what you're saying it does. So right. it's great. Uh, Randy Weigarden is despicable. 
And um, I think that's it for, for me today, but I'm really happy that Twitter exists in this way. And I think it's really, instead of going from this clearly left-leaning um, publication, which censors stuff that it didn't want on there, you know, whether it's okay. you know, the Hunter Biden story or whatever, it's kind of gone to a place where, and I've seen a couple of the, the, the people, Republicans, who have been fact-checked because they were saying okay. things that were incorrect. So it really is the, the a tool that, just gets the truth out there, gets at least opposing opinions out there and showing you, hey, even though they say this, here's something that says the opposite, just so you're aware. Like, And so I think it's been a really helpful thing. I, I've enjoyed Twitter a lot more, especially reading the news uh, since yeah. than I used to. Tennessee's trending up, Twitter's trending up. And on that note, we're going to let Mark go and lower his blood pressure. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Decaf. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a lovely weekend. We'll catch you next week.